Hello and welcome to another DOS Game Club podcast. This is episode 52 and we're discussing the game we played in January, which is Master of Magic by Simtex Microprose. Uh, released in 1994. Now, of course, I'm not going to talk about this game alone. I'm Martijn, by the way, Tijn on the forums. And joining me, as always, is our regular co-host, Florian. Hey, guys. Hey. So, yeah, we're back. We're back with another episode. That's that's what I have to say. This is my thing. We're back, Florian. Uh, yes, Okay. We are. <laughs> totally. What? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, like and there's more people. Uh, there's also Otvar. Hello. Hey, great, great that you're back, man. I'm back. Uh, this is sort of your game, right? Yeah, I made this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I think this is like when we started the club. This is one of the first game that's games that you suggested. Yeah, this is uh, definitely one of my favorite memories from from playing games growing up. Cool. So yeah, we'll definitely talk more about that in a bit. Uh, but there's actually also a new member on H- HP. Hello. Hey. And I think it's also one of your favorite games. Uh, yes, I've pretty much been playing this one since 1994 when I was a junior in high school. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. So yeah, we've got a whole like knowledge. I don't know. I feel It feels like we've, we're joined by wizards here. Uh, <laughs> this is excellent. So, yeah, I don't know. I have nothing. Just just let's just dive in, right? Let's go. Right. Yeah. of magic i i always wonder lately are is this a well-known game is this an obscure game i'm not sure actually do you think this is a well-known game i would say it definitely went through a period of obscurity because i Mm. I played it for a long time and i kind of lost my copy in various technological upgrades 
and I find myself talking to people about it, like this childhood memory that I'm trying to put a name to, and they would just kind of look at me funny until I found one coworker who was like, oh yeah, that's Master of Magic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it does seem kind of specific, or I don't know, it's not, it's not you super huge, but I don't know, I played it as a kid, so to me, it, it, it just, I can't not see it as a famous game, but, but that's just personal, you know? It definitely has a, a rabid fan base. There's a <laughs> Facebook group dedicated to it, a Discord server dedicated to it, and a amazingly thriving modding community. Mm, mm. Yes, we'll definitely dive into that. Because, yeah, that's actually a somewhat current topic, weirdly, with this game. Um, but I, I think people listening to this, um, they might not be familiar with it. I mean, I'm sure there are some massive fans, but I think the general audience may be not as familiar with this game as some of the other bigger game names. So You know, I'm, I'm a massive fan of Master of Orion 2, and um, obviously I researched syntax um, and stuff like that, but... This game never really, really grabbed my attention before. So, hmm. yeah. So, so maybe it's good to have a quick overview of like what, what, what is this game? What is Master of Magic? As Captain Card might say, there are four X's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, explore, expand, exploit, and exterminate. Uh, so, mm-hmm. if you've played Civilization Two, you're gonna see a lot of uh, Sid Meier's DNA in this one, or even more Civilization One, I think. Probably. <laughs> it it is very civilization like. It is almost civilization with magic. Yeah. It's uh it's surprisingly like that. Yeah. I wonder if if maybe that's why uh it's not that um well remembered or well received. Because it's like the people who really like uh, to play civilization wants to um, you know, um simulate world and uh, real life technologies and basically go through that. Um uh, and the people who play Magic the Gathering or Hero Smart Magic is more uh, the whole fantasy thing. If you combine them, you kind of got like a simulation of fantasy. <laughs> so maybe that's where it, it went wrong. And you know, maybe something like Master of Orion, uh, it's also a fantasy, but it's it's set in a space. So maybe that makes it a bit more different. I don't it's, know. Yeah, it's more plausible in a way because it's hmm. the future. So anything can happen. <laughs> Interestingly, this one was released in Japan. I have to... Uh, Shout out to Daniel Blake, the fan club leader, for letting me know this. It was released in Japan as Civizard, what? essentially <laughs> civilization with wizards. Wow. So they were definitely trying for a certain audience. Ah, yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, it, I think I think a good way to describe this game is civilization with wizards, right? I feel it's even more than that, right? I mean, mm. sure, it's civilization with wizards, but you also get like tactical combat. You get heroes. Mm-hmm. You get. Mm. Get a, a whole whole lot of other things that are not civilization or wizards. Mm, it's yeah. Well, if we want to start with the controversial takes, I like the combat in this better than Master of Orion because positioning tends to matter a lot more. Ooh, <laughs> shots fired! Yes. <laughs> well, I, not- I, I can see that at least in the later game of Master of Orion Two. Um, <laughs> placement of, of your units doesn't matter when everyone has stellar converters. So, mm. no, early game, you fire missiles and run away. So. <laughs> mm. It is. It is a little bit like like Heroes of Might and Magic. Also, the the combat. Yeah. Yes. It's it's a bit like that. Although I think the the hero is more part of the combat in this one, or isn't it? It's. Yeah, but you can you can uh, cast spells in Heroes of Might and Magic as well. Uh, yeah. But here, here the the hero is very much a unit. Yeah. And can attack and and get killed and mm. um, yeah, it's it's a nice combo. 
you sort of have a doubled up version of Heroes of Might and Magic where you have your wizard who can cast spells and then you also have recruitable mm-hmm. heroes that can cast spells as sort of subsidiary casters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So, so if you cast a spell during combat, you uh, with the when it's the hero's turn, you actually get to pick whether it's the hero or the um, I guess the the avatar that casts the spell, which is a nice touch. Yeah, I hope this this explains the game in broad strokes a bit to people. At least they have some sort of mental image of of what it's like. Um, so yeah, I mean we'll we'll dive in more later but but it's good to know sort of what we're talking about right and if you've ever played magic the gathering you're going to recognize a lot of things <laughs> yeah that's really uh spot on when you when you start looking at the spells there's not just the, the names of the spells but if you've played a bit of uh mtg then you know what uh what the effect is going to be um and of course uh Microprose went on to to make a game based on magic the gathering Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, Chandelar, good luck getting it to run on anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I got really fond memories of that as well, but also mixed with memories of uh, it crashing and uh, <laughs> playing way, way too fast. And uh, I've been trying to get it to run, but it's it's really hard. But uh, that's, a, that's a Windows game, so we don't talk about that here. Indeed. Exactly, exactly. So um, I, th- I think the, the way to start this one is by introducing, well, sort of a fifth guest in a way, um, because one of our uh, other DOS Game Club members who was ve- very active on our forums and, and participating during the month that we played this is user Father Beast. And we actually invited him for the episode, but sadly, the schedules didn't quite line up and we were a bit late, maybe also with uh, putting it all together. So, so he couldn't be here now. But he did send a voice message, um, and it's quite an elaborate one, I think, Florian. <laughs> Seven minutes, 47 seconds. That's yeah. massive. <laughs> so so it's, it's a bit like he's, he's here, really. So right. I think it's good if we start uh, with, with playing that. Yeah, so I, and I then, think no one of us has listened to it before. So I will try to stop it at appropriate places so that we can discuss what he has to say. Yeah, exactly. Because it's it's for one sitting, it's a bit much. But yes. uh, in, in yeah, in bits we can go through it. We, we'll see so. how how that that goes. Because I haven't listened to it, I don't know where to make breaks. Let's see. Well, let's see what happens. So this is Father Beast. Hello, Das Game Club. This is Father Beast, and I'm sending in this uh, message about the January game, Master of Magic. There is so much to talk about with this game. I've got a, just a couple things I want to uh, to focus on that you may or may not, you know, talk about during the main show. Uh, one is this game's uh, relationship with Simtech's other game, Master of Orion. Now, Master of Magic did have some uh, inspiration from Master of Orion. Pretty much all it took from Master of Orion was the race of the Clackens. And while they were cool to play in Master of Orion, they're not cool to play in uh, Master of Magic. <laughs> yeah. It's actually interesting because we've covered Master of Orion in um, in episode 24 of our show. So, I don't know. Did we talk about the Klaxon there then? The Klaxons. Um, the Klaxons, yeah. N- not much, I think. No. You what, said, what? do you want ants? Because that's how you get ants. <laughs> 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 uh, Florian, you're our resident Master of Orion expert. Are they uh, a good race in Master of Orion? I, honestly, I can't tell you because I always play with custom races. So ah. mm. I think they, they, they don't usually beat me. So 
They can't be that good. Uh, what are the Klekons? They're like, yeah, they're like ants, basically. Yeah. yeah. In uh, Master of Magic, they're definitely useful if you know what you're doing with them. They're, they're an early game rush race, essentially, mm. that you, you want something you can buff out your units with and just send them out really fast. Um, they uh, get along very well with themselves. It's sort of the hive mind <laughs> thing. Right. Uh, but if you take over a clock on town as someone else, they're like all rebels and it's a garbage town. And if you take mm. over somebody else as a clock on, they're not very good. Mm. So you're just, uh, hey, we're just going to make everything ants. Right. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I think I think let Father Beast do the talking, Florian. Yes. But I want to talk about how much uh, a Master of Orion 2 drew so heavily from Master of Magic. Some people have told me that Master of Orion 2 is kind of like civilization in space, and after playing it, I think it's more like Master of Magic in space. For example, the fact that you can, your, your, your planets in Master of Orion 2 are kind of like uh, your cities in Master of Magic in the sense that you, can, you only have space to build one of each kind of building in, uh, in uh, Master of Orion 2. Uh, but uh, most telling is the fact that they have these settings that Master of Magic has called uh, housing and trade goods. Because unlike most civilization games in which your uh, their food is the means by which your, your city grows, in Master of Magic, uh, food doesn't have any effect on whether, you're, whether your city grows. It's simply meant to support your units. Yeah, you, you know, I, I really noticed the similarity between Master of Magic and Master of Orion 2, especially. So, yeah, I, I haven't played too much of, of the first Master of Orion, so I can't, can't compare mm-hmm. it very much with that. But it really seems to be right in the middle between the two games. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, the, uh, the food thing is interesting because uh, if you have too much food, you just get, uh, it gets converted into gold. Uh, so even if you're, you know, building granaries, which is specifically made to store food, right? Uh, you can't <laughs> store food. Uh, so you have to have enough food each turn for, to provide for units or they will just, um, uh, die. Or actually they will, they will quit before they die. Yeah, mm. That's, that's actually different from the later game from Master of Orion 2. There you just need food to support your population and money to support your troops. So. Yeah. Hmm. And your population does need food in Master of Magic. Uh, a certain amount is dedicated to the workers in the city. Hmm. But uh, so your city growth is going to be limited by how much food your area can produce. You're not going to have a giant metropolis in the desert. Hmm. Yeah. And this is one of the really cool uh, tools that they give you the um, ability to look at each uh, cell and see how what is the potential of a city if you want to build it there. So you can. Before you start building, you can actually see how big the city is going to be. Uh, it's a really nice tool because that's really hard to try and calculate without that tool. Uh, the <laughs> surveyor, I think it's called. Hmm. The surveyor is an invaluable resource. Mm-hmm. You know, your growth of your city is just done by, well, it just grows by itself a certain amount per turn. But you can set it, instead of building a, a building... You can set it to uh, this thing called housing, which causes your city to grow faster. And, uh, of course, trade goods is uh, where you, your, your city turns uh, production into gold. Now, these were taken over to Master Orion 2 just completely wholesale. 
you got your housing and your trade goods. And so Master of Magic and Master of Orion 2 are like the only games I know of which have the housing and trade goods settings as a possibility in your uh, in your city production or your planet planetary production, as the case may be. Yeah, I think those are actually good options for, for such a game. I mean, what, what else do you want to do with all your good production that you're having there, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think Civilization also has an option just to generate money but I don't think you can specifically set it to build housing and, and like to to promote growth like that. So. Yeah, civilization, you actually have to research the ability of uh, capitalization to make money. Hmm. Yeah, and banking and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, apart from that, the the way you choose what to build is is basically exactly like civilization. So it's very familiar if you hmm. if you played that before. I think the city screen from Master of Magic. Is is almost exactly the city screen from Civilization. It's remarkably similar, yeah. and it's also yes. almost the same as the planet screen on um, yeah. Masterful Right. <laughs> well, uh, you may, th- these games can be complex, you know. So it's <laughs> it's nice to have some familiarity if you starting out. So I, I don't know. I can appreciate it. Just missing some little Elvis heads in the top row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of uh, uh, Civ type games have. Uh, the possibility for making uh, gold as opposed to regular production. But uh, the housing is sort of unique to Master of Magic and Master of Orion 2, which copied it. The uh, second thing that Matt, that Master of Orion 2 copied from Master of Magic was the heroes uh, system. You know, you can have uh, heroes leading your armies or sitting in your cities, uh, providing certain bonuses. And... Master Orion 2 copied that wholesale and even has some of the same heroes. I know I saw Brax the Dwarf show up as a possible hero mm-hmm. in both Master of Magic and in Master Orion 2. So I don't know how that makes any sense at all, but there it is. Space yeah. Dwarf. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> it's not the only um, similarity that is not, not really copied, but, but just similar. Like... Um, you, when you choose this wizard profile picture, there's one, um, Rajak. He looks like a dialogue from, from Master of Orion. There's Sra, who looks kind of like a, like a, like a, um, oh, what's the name of them? Is that the Lizardman, the snake guy? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I just forgot the, um, the Sakra from, from Master of Orion, too. So there, mm. there are many similarities. Well, to, to be fair, Urjak looks like Sauron from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah. And Merlin just looks like Merlin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, but if you if you if you take this this Rajak guy and, and remove the crown, you're left with a dialogue. So there you go. Hmm. Even though the, the code has the same color, so you know you can you can't really blame them for taking over ideas from one game to the next. So no, I also think these games were made really close to each other. Um, I don't think that they had a really long release cycle between these. I think they're like a year apart or something. So. Yeah, kind of makes sense. I mean, if the, if it's the same people making these, then surely a year later they they've not forgotten about their game. <laughs> so, yeah, probably some concurrent development. I, I guess it's also not not so surprising that they, the games have very similar names. So it hmm. seems like hmm. they 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 they're supposed to be similar, right? Just different settings. Yeah, so. yeah, appealing to the same sort of audience. Yeah, absolutely probably. worked. Yeah. Well, I'm going to refer to it as, as uh, Civ Wizards or whatever. 
Sivazard. Such a catchy name. Roll us off the face. <laughs> the next thing I wanted to mention about Master of Magic is the just the vast variety in I mean, not to mention the uh, the wizards, but the the races that you choose. I think uh just about every race has a unique unit and you know, there are some things that uh, some can do that others cannot do. Mm-hmm. For example, I, I almost always choose to play halflings, but I have to go and make sure I conquer a neutral city that's of some other race because halflings don't have any units that can build roads, what? which is kind of a major handicap. But once I conquer a dwarf city and crank out a couple of dwarf engineers, you know, I'm set for the uh, road building business. Of course, they have the clackens, but uh, clackens kind of suck. Which brings me to another thing to, to mention about uh, Master of Magic. It gives you all so many options mm. and really doesn't care that much about balance. Some of the races are better than others. And other people, some people will have their preferred races, but, you know, almost everybody agrees that, cl- that the clackens, well, kind of suck. I, I, I do agree with that. I think uh, it's almost... Um it appears much simpler than it is. Like, because if you start the game and you play on intro or easy uh, difficulty, the game will not allow you to, to customize the wizard. You have to choose one of the pre-made ones. So you you pick one and uh, you know pick a race and you start and you're off. But you know you can customize every single thing with that wizard. You can choose uh, which uh, which types of magic you can cast you can choose certain abilities like he's a warlord so all of your units start off with more experience or you know he's a diplomat so you can uh, get better options when you're talking to other wizards um and uh, it also impacts how you uh, how many people you can hire uh, and stuff like that uh, and it's all the the races have different uh creatures and it's not it's not just the you know the attack and damage uh, uh level that's different like Halflings uh, will have less rebels in towns because they're generally happy and go along with each other uh, and um, stuff like that. And it's just amazing the, the the depth of the game. It's it's absolutely staggering. Other societies like being ruled by halflings too. For some reason, you get less. <laughs> you get the least unrest in those other places. You get double breakfast. That's why. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, but it's it's amazing. And like um, I think every race kind of has its own uh, strategy. Like, halflings have a, a little unit called um, the Slingers, and uh, they just throw rocks at you. And it sounds fairly, like, mundane, and they don't do that much damage. But they're very cheap, and uh, if you get them to a higher level of experience, they can be deadly. It's basically like a, a you know, a shooting gallery just standing, uh, taking down everything in its path. Um, and... Um, like the other races, uh, you know, will have a, a really hot, really a big, uh, crunchy unit that can fly and is immune to to everything, basically. <laughs> so there's uh, each kind of uh, race uh, has his own um, uh, tactics. So, sorry, the the um, the, uh, the that re- that unit is is uh, is from the spells. Uh, scrap that. But yeah, you, you get different tactics depending on what what you choose uh, to go with, and it's not just on the you know the the numbers that you get from it, but you know you get certain abilities and certain mm. different units, which will um, yeah. change the game. Like you know, if you can, if you have a unit that can fly, uh, obviously exploring is much easier. Mm. 
Right. If you go halflings, warlords, life magic, you end up with slingers that just knock dragons out of the sky like they're nothing. <laughs> yeah, and these kind of things are like uh, father beasts. Sorry, apologies. Uh, like he mentioned, some of this stuff is just unbalanced, and it's mm. it's asymmetric, but it's it is a, you know out of balance if you compare each to each other. But I think the developers looked at that and said, "Yeah, that's fine." <laughs> Uh, to a certain extent, they uh, they tried to balance the races as to what part of the game they're good at. You'll have like a good early game race and a good end game race, and depending on when they run into each other, one's going to do better than the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. It's I think it's cool that it's creative like that. I mean, I was just thinking of a game like Warcraft, for example, which also has the the different sides, the orcs and the humans, but they're really just carbon copies of each other. They're just different skins of the same units. Well, they, they usually get, get one different unit each, but it's yeah. still yeah, similar exactly. to one from, from, from the other race. right? But this is much more creative. Yeah. This is much more, you know, really exploring these different races. And yeah, I mean, they, I great. guess they can afford it because this is essentially a single-player game, while in a multiplayer mm. game, you really need to make sure that there are no super dominant strategies. I guess that's also one of the reasons, or I, I assume that's one of the reasons why um, Master of Orion 2 has fewer differences between races. Hmm. Because it's more focused on the multiplayer. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I can see that. But I think because the, there are so many races, they probably just decided at some point that you know it's going to be impossible to, to perfectly balance this. Let's just, let's just do what, what we it. think is cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is, yeah. It's just a nice approach because then you, then you can find, uh, you know... Uh, uh, overpowered combinations, but that's 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 the fun part of it. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of figuring this game out is exploiting different uh, strategies, and that's that's the third X. You know, I mean, mm. it's it's explore, expand, exploit. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a different interpretation of the third X. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, because it's a single player game, nobody really cares. So yeah, they they can do it. That's so. What you're saying is that Master of Magic is a perfectly balanced game, <laughs> basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> but there's also you know it's not just the uh, the units. There's so many di- different things that uh, affect uh, that is exploitable. I guess you know the the, the different uh, spells you can have. We'll probably talk more about that. But also you know the abilities that your warlord has. Like you mentioned, if you if you take the warlord uh, ability. Uh, that really uh, impacts some units like the halflings because they get much stronger, and then because they have so many um, so many shots, you just you just have like an uh, artillery basically, um, and 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 stuff like that is I don't know if that was intentional, but people found out, and it just became like a you know there was no memes back then, but it would have been a meme if if that was the thing, <laughs> similar to like uh, summoning lots of wraiths and just uh, taking out the whole map before other cities wake up. The Wraith Apocalypse. That's it. And finally, uh, before I make this e- this voicemail go on, you know, longer than the rest of the podcast, <laughs> I uh, just want to just want to say one of the great appeals about playing Master of Magic is the great toys you get to play with, and by toys I mean some of those awesome spells that you get to cast uh, when you're when you reach the uh, you know the end of your your research tree talking about those very rare spells like uh when you're playing nature you got nature's wrath which causes an earthquake to get hit hit uh, your opponent's cities when they cast a chaos or a death magic spell and if you are playing a chaos mage you can uh, cast armageddon which 
causes volcanoes to pop up all over the world, adding to your power. And uh, the life magic crusade spell, which is which is just like uh, choosing Warlord as uh, one of your uh, initial starting picks. And if you already are a Warlord, it doubles that effect. But uh, perhaps the the king of them uh, of all the uh, the spells is probably the sorcery spell Time Stop. And uh, mm-hmm. you know it is interesting reading this description of this in the Master Magic Spellbook. But it says, yes, you still have to pay uh, maintenance on this spell, but only this spell. And it's the maintenance is really high. But it, the effect of it is basically you're the only one who gets to take a turn. As long as you have that uh, spell active, you you can go and do all sorts of things, and nobody else gets to take a turn. <laughs> the only disadvantage is that while time is stopped, um, none of your cities are actually producing anything. So make sure you already have your army built before you cast time stop. <laughs> but then... Your, t- your army can just rav- rampage all over the world without any time passing by or anybody able to maneuver anything at all. So, anyway, uh, I really enjoy Master of Magic, and it is one of the great games of Microprose's olden days. So, um, I'll let you get back to your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. Oh, perfect. You know, it's funny. If you take the Warlord trait and have that Crusade spell, the game will tell you that there is a rank called Ultra Elite you can only get with Warlord. But as far as I can tell, it doesn't tell you anywhere that there's another rank above that when you get Crusade, where suddenly you have units that are labeled Champion. Nice. Oh, and they're just wow. amazingly powerful. But uh, that's the thing. They did think about it because they did implement uh, a rank there. They just yep. didn't tell you about it. That's, that's also kind of cool. I feel a large part of this game is just exploring all the different options and all the... yeah. It's almost like a, like a game in itself, just figuring out what is all there. Is uh, yeah, yeah. Because when you start playing it, it does. It really doesn't look that deep. Like it's more confusing because you you know you, if you treat it as a civilization game, it's going to take forever to get anywhere. But you do have the same tools. Like you can send send out settlers. You can create new cities. Uh, there's a little bit more to explore. Like uh, you know you can go into dungeons and stuff. But um, it doesn't really tell you that you really should use your wizard skill to summon some units and explore with them because mm. um, that is a really nice way of uh, getting the map uh, explored without, you know, if, if your unit dies, you just create a new one. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. It's it's more like a fantasy game also, like like a, a role-playing game almost. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of the stuff that happens is also adds to the imbalance. Like early on, uh, you know, sometimes, and also depending on the settings uh, of your war, of your wizard, you can hire units and you can hire heroes. And uh, uh, these are just events that basically happen to you. I think if you have enough gold, um, they sometimes will happen. So you can control it a little bit. But some of these units you can hire are really powerful, especially early in the game. So, you know, if you... Like the other, other day I was playing and I got uh, some... Uh, Hymen uh, mages or uh, wizards, I can't remember what it's called, and uh, they have they have a fireball spell, <laughs> and there was three units of them. So then I just went on and basically fire blasted everything out of the <laughs> of my path, and uh, that stuff is is really cool. But um, compared to where I was at in the game at the time, you know these guys were you know five times, ten times as much uh, as much um, powerful as anything I had already. 
So it's a little bit imbalanced, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, that's that's nice. So um, did you play it back when it came out, Otvar? Uh, when did it come out? 94, I think. Um, I think so. I think it was around that time. I um, I remember playing Civilization 1 and my, my friend's dad was a big fan uh, as in, you know, staying up all night playing Civilization. <laughs> what? Uh, so we, Who does that? So we tried to, to, to play uh, that. But, uh, you know, I was quite young at the time. And I remember being really pissed off that um, this, you know, they make demands to implement certain religions or political uh, systems. And I'm like, well, it's just going to, this is going to make you unhappy in the long run, isn't it? <laughs> Which is, I guess, kind of the point. But in this game, you don't have to bother with that stuff. You just, you just uh, have some cities, you build stuff, and then you, you, you create some units and you explore stuff, and then eventually you become all powerful and you just, you know, bomb or spell cities out of the out of this world, literally out of this world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so did you have a boxed copy or or not? Uh, no, I think no, okay. this was uh, kindly donated by uh, a mutual friend. Right, yeah. Well, same goes for me. I, I, a lot of these old games just kind of appeared <laughs> on my computer, and I don't know. So, But I'm, I'm wondering, did you have a boxed copy HP? Yes, yes, I did. I, I nice. wish I still had it around somewhere. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, the the reason things are collectible is because young people are stupid, right? <laughs> 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 but do you remember what's in the box? Because um, I think uh, Father Beast mentioned a, what is it, a spell book or something? Well, I think that's just the manual. The manual is mm. like 130 pages. I, I tried oh, to wow. read uh, read it before this podcast, but I had to skim it. Mm. But, uh, you know, it does actually tell you what to do. <laughs> like instructions. Yeah, like you will explain, uh, you know, the UI and stuff, but also tell you a little bit more than what is intuitive. Because there's nothing in the game, there's no tutorial or anything like, you know, hey, maybe you should summon a unit. No, <laughs> no, I think at the time it was completely expected that you yeah. would read the manual before starting to play a game. So, But it will, uh, it will explain things like, you know, what uh, if you pick three or four or five spellbooks in in, when you create your wizard, what does that actually mean? Hmm. And you can also click right, right? You can right-click things to get more. Yeah, yeah, that is good. This game is good for tooltips on a right-click. <laughs> mm. Yes. I just um, got my box out. Um, it has a massive amount of manuals. Um, oh. I, I, <laughs> I, I just wonder what's inside, you there's, know? There's a strategy guide included. Huh. Um, it has, has lots of tables um, containing uh, spell stats and, and building stats. Right. This because this is all book. very much pre-internet, right? Yes. So nobody could just go onto the wiki and, and look it up. So, but it's yeah. got a—I think it's got a lot of nice features that you don't even see that often anymore. Like, if, if for example, you have—you know—you have so and so many points when you create the wizard, and you can choose to have them in spell books or as these attributes, like warlord or whatever. And uh, depending on how many spell books you have of one uh, type, you, you know, you get more power in that. Uh, type of spell, and if you if you max it out, you basically get uh, um, to choose. Like you get to choose some spells anyway, but if you max it out, you get to choose some of the really really powerful spells. And while that doesn't give you that spell from from the beginning of the game, it guarantees you that the ability to to research that spell. Hmm. Well, actually, in the in the base game, if you go eleven books, you do get to pick and start with a rare spell. 
Ah, uh, yes, that's correct. You yeah. should not have at the beginning of the game. That's why there's uh, <laughs> there's kind of the eleven book strategy for each color for how you just take over the game. Right. I think I played that way as a kid. I don't know why, <laughs> but it just seemed cool to have like full magic power. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's it, it gives you a lot of things to play with. And uh, there's uh, there's this YouTuber called uh, was it. Uh, Hadrix, uh, that Hadrix, yes, yeah, he's done a lot of uh, cool things, and he played uh, one scenario that he just created just for fun. Uh, I think he used a, a save editor to make it work, but basically he said, "I can only play with summon spells, and everything else is forbidden." So you know, uh-huh. he just put those restrictions on himself just to make the game uh, interesting, and that's really really cool. It's cool. The game allows for that sort of gameplay. It's it's almost like a sandbox, like it's a fantasy sandbox where you can just yeah, experiment exactly. with. Yeah, that's cool. We didn't even talk about the intro cinematic. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the first thing that was really impressive to me as a kid. Yes. That's really what hooked me because, I don't know, back in 94, these were sort of rare still. So it seemed really impressive to me. Do you have the dialogue? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I am here to intimidate you with my clutch cargo mouth movement. (laughs) (laughs) No, but actually hearing the voices is... That's that was huge back then. That was like, oh man, it's like actual. I know he's saying something like, "You've been looking for the spell of mastery," but then there's there's some response there that is never I can never decipher. <laughs> I think he says you're too late because I've already uh, I've already researched it or something. I'm I'm and then he casts it and then the whole world blows up. Something like that. It's definitely you're too late. <laughs> that was very impressive back in the day, and uh, you know now it looks a bit uh, clunky, but it, it's still pretty cool because obviously. There's nothing else like that in the game. Yeah, that's the thing. Is this the only cinematic? Because I remember the graphics are pretty cool when you cast one of those really late game spells, but not really like it's not a video or anything, right? Yeah, it's still just uh, animation on the map, isn't it? Yeah. You you get a little animated cutscene when you summon monsters and Mm. when you or another wizard is banished or destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So, and then of course you get your ending cinematic where you're holding the two planets in the palms of your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Are they really just separate planets? Because I always thought they're like two sides of the same world. Yeah, very World of Zine uh, thing happening. Hmm. Yeah, because it's called uh, Mirror, right? So it's a Mirror World. What's what's up with that? Maybe we should dive into this a little bit. Uh, it's uh, what are the two worlds? They're Arcanian, right? That's like the main world. Arcanian yeah. is like the normal world, and normal then and it's uh, you know got the same kind of um, uh, environments as as Earth, I guess. Yeah, it's like forests and swamps and that sort of stuff. But then there's the Mirren world, mm-hmm. which is like the I don't know the the underworld, the like the hell world or something, which also has forests and swamps, but palette swapped to a more sinister yeah, color scheme exactly and inhabited by uh inhabited by unique races that you can't get on arcanus mm-hmm. but again the the game you know uh allows this to 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 be played so you can choose a uh a, a wizard that will be from from mirror uh, mirror and then you can choose some of the dark races like dark elves and dwarfs and and again it's just really cool everything is an option and you can uh, make yourself the only wizard on Mirror by taking the portrait of Sra. Okay. Because he's the only one that naturally spawns there. Oh, yeah, of course. 
Oh, that's kind of convenient. Then you got a whole world for yourself, and Absolutely. then you can prepare and take over the other one. Yeah, that's you, you can also cool. there's also a spell that will seal all the um, the, the portals, the towers, so you can mm-hmm. literally take as much time as you want, <laughs> and um, when you're ready, you can. Uh, Take over the rest of the world. Got to go That's life awesome. magic for that one. Right. Can you do life magic and be on mirror? I guess you can. Absolutely. Yeah, because it depends on the race, right? It doesn't yeah. de- depend on the magic at all. So, But I remember when I first discovered one of these towers and like, you know, I've been playing it, uh, I mean, back in the day, I don't know how much, but it felt like I, I knew the game. And then suddenly, like, hang on. There's a, there's a, there's a second world? What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. But but to me, it always felt like it's part of the other world, just a different side of it or something, a different it's area. A, yeah, it's a plane, right? That's what it's called. Hmm. Right. Okay. I don't, yeah. Alternate Weird. realities joined by towers. Very hmm. Stephen King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, again, it's it's just like one of those things that the game keeps throwing at you. Like this is so so deep. It's it's hmm. insane. Like yeah, you could easily have. Uh, just uh, one world and be happy. Like that would be more than enough. But it's really cool yeah. that you can, um, you know, play quite a long time and feel like you've understood the game, and then like suddenly discover it as a as a second. Oh, by the way, it's twice as large. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's it's the same kind of reaction I had uh, to uh, you know um, uh, Zelda: Link to the Past. That's not a game. That's not a game we'll cover. <laughs> 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 I loved playing the Dark Elves in Mirror because I felt like I was the bad guys from the movie Krull where, you know, you go someplace and there's knights in armor running around and you're shooting lasers at them. <laughs> yeah, cool. I, I used to, I remember used to play them a lot because they have uh, really powerful ranged weapons, don't they? The, the standard units. Oh, yes. Mm. Every, every unit, basic unit has like a magical ranged attack. Mm-hmm. Um, in the intro cinematic, they talk about this spell of mastery. That is... Like one of the two win conditions, right? There's this uh, some, especially civilization is sort of known for having multiple win conditions, especially as the series moved on uh, with the later ones. I think Master of Orion also has multiple win conditions, doesn't it, Florian? Well, at least Master of Orion 2 has. I'm not so familiar with the first game. No, okay. But uh, yeah, this game just has two. And, and well, there's the default win condition, which all of these games have, which is just destroy everything and kill everyone. That's also that's known one as way to... the right way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the, the actual winning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's kind of weird, right? You just cast this one spell and mm-hmm. that's it. Then you win the win spell. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit weak, but it, it is kind of cool. Like, even if you are getting hammered by, you know, the three other wizards and uh, you retreated to your capital and you just pour all your efforts into research, you can still mm. win the game, although it probably feels like a bit of a weak victory. <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot of research to get that spell up and running, so... Mm. Yeah, but again, some of the wizards will... Uh, you can uh, create your wizard to have more research and do that quicker, but uh, yeah. Absolutely. Especially if, you, if you're if you alone on that one planet, then yeah. <laughs> you can just just do that, never encounter anyone that's how, and win. That's how you play it every time, uh, Martin, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, such such a fun game. <laughs> I think they tried to 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 um make this a bit bit weaker in Master of Orion 2 where you can essentially win by defeating the Antarans. Mm-hmm. So you, you need to research dimensional portals and then you can do it, but usually by the time you get that you are so powerful that this final battle is not really that hard anymore. So I think they tried, but maybe they didn't really succeed in making this weaker. 
Yeah, but at least it feels more like a real win in Master of Orion because the Antarans, they threaten the whole galaxy, right? Yeah. So it, you're, you're like, you're the hero if you beat them. While in this game, I don't know, you kind of just destroy the whole world or something? I don't know. What does the spell of mastery even do? It The animation suggests that you're basically like sucking in the souls of the other wizards and whatnot <laughs> and just making yourself an all-powerful god ruler of everything. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, I don't know. That's an honorable goal, I guess. More time for research, right? So we talked a little bit about uh, how the main screen of the world is a a lot like civilization. Um, I think anyone who sees a random screenshot of this world will think it's civilization one. It's towns, it's units, roads connecting them. The special locations, which are actually pretty cool. There's like, what are they? These like forests twinkling nature uh, things. The and, magical nodes. Uh, yeah, and, and towers you can go into and, I don't know. Dungeons, dungeons and ruins. Yeah, yeah. so that's, that's kind of cool. And again, that's the kind of thing where you just have to find out uh, that you can, you can summon, you all, everyone gets to summon a magical spirit um, which can go to these magical nodes and, and meld with them. And what that does is it gives your wizard more power and it's really essential for you <laughs> To grow because then you can research faster, you can cast more spells, uh, you can also improve your spell power. Uh, but yeah, the game just doesn't say anything about this. <laughs> mm, yeah. Back in the day, I just assumed a magic spirit was just for taking nodes, so I'd never cast one unless I had taken it over a node and didn't realize they're the best scouts in the early game. <laughs> yeah, because it can fly. Yeah, it's amazing. The, the manual probably talks about this, I imagine, but yeah, yep. who, who reads that, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's one side of the game. But there's also this whole pseudo 3D isometric combat screen, which is, well, that's kind of unique, really. I don't know a lot of 4X 2D games which have this kind of combat. I mean, it's fairly similar to Heroes of Might Magic, right? But uh, not not hex-based, but um, in, in the same style. Yeah. You know, what you can to do and you can take your turn or you can wait for, for, the, for the end of the turn. Um but uh, yeah, like we mentioned earlier, the, the hero is very much one unit in, in that. And uh, mm-hmm. I find, in contrast to Heroes of Magic, I don't mind that much if I lose a hero. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. it's almost like it's just a, a powerful but expensive unit. Yeah. Whereas in Heroes of Magic, uh, you know, I, I tended to, to save Skim before battles because, you know, the hero is... That's huge. ...such an integral... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't lose them. Yeah. And in this game, it's just... Well, it's it's a unit, but it's... It's just a unit. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, if you're playing life magic, especially, you can cast the resurrection spell to yeah. get your hero back. Mm. Unless, of course, they've gone with the myriad non resurrectable ways to kill somebody, which uh, the, com- <laughs> the computer loves to spam this spell called Cracks Call, which every time you cast it, it just has a 25% chance of whatever's standing on top of it just falling into the earth and being grounded to nothing. And apparently there's no coming back from that. Ah, that's a shame. <laughs> Maybe because they're not dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you are now they're the prisoner of the mole people. <laughs> the ants. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the game also gives you the option of uh, doing the, the combat for you. Uh, so you can see mm. what's happening. Uh, but it's yeah. it's a trick because it will do the worst combat ever. So, uh, <laughs> If, it's a trap. If you can, yeah. if you can take down the whole uh, army with with your slingers or with your range units, 
you know, the game will be like, ah, yeah, you could do that. But let's throw this weak hero in the midst and see what happens. <laughs> let's have Zaldra and the Sage go toe-to-toe with these war trolls and see what happens. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's really annoying because uh, it's really, really close to the uh, uh, done, I'm done with my turn button. So I, occasionally I click it and then I have to see, uh, you know, some suicide. Uh, um, oh, that's boots. terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> There's always yeah. some great moments to that. In the settings, you can choose to just disable uh, the tactical combat completely, and the game will just tell you the outcome. But I'm not sure if it's equally, uh, you know, brutal. Hmm. Yeah, I've never played like that. I've always kind of enjoyed the the combat. Really, yeah. There so. are some combats that you can uh, cheese your way through by going through the automatic resolution because yeah. the, the game doesn't technically weight certain things as much as they would in an actual combat. Mm. But even then, if you if you you know you're pretty sure you've secured your win and you press auto, um, the, the the computer will just like start spamming spells and like, dude, I'm already I've already won this game. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> What what I do really love best about the combat, though, is not just just the literal attacking, but all the um, the like. There's there's spells you can cast which which kind of change the the tiles. Like you can make a wall of fire and stuff, mm. and you can cast a web on someone to to capture them. I just love that stuff. Really, I I, I really like to set up these elaborate traps. Yes, and then yeah. Combat in this game is so deep. Mm. You'll have like things like fire breathing units where they'll hit the enemy with a little blast of damage before the actual combat starts. With the same thing with first striking units. If you were able to get a first striking fire breathing unit, you'd be able to hit the enemy twice before they hit you. Nice. There's so many things you can do in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, there's a counter. So you have some units that are immune to first strike. <laughs> yeah. Pikemen. That's it. Yeah. So everything is uh, kind of countered, but uh, yeah, um, because of the fire breathing uh, ability, uh, uh, hellhounds are really powerful. Hmm. If they hit first. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. And there's flying units as well, which you can't touch from the ground, right? Yeah. The, the, the most incredible things I find is that you can also cast a spell that will make the whole city fly. Whoa. <laughs> that makes things interesting. <laughs> oh, it's fun with flying units. You can, uh, the barbarian race, their units have thrown weapons. So if you have a thrown weapon, you can hit a flying unit. Mm. Um, and so in the base game, if, if you're especially fighting monsters and nodes and whatnot, if the enemy flies, you can have a bunch of enemy, you can have a bunch of units of your own that don't fly, and the flying units will just come and fight you and die. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the uh, the caster of magic, they have a survival instinct, and if they realize they can't win the fight, but you can't touch them, they'll just fly around up in the corner until the fight ends. Yeah, and there's also uh, magical creatures that if you if you don't have any kind of magical or godly weapon, you can't touch them. Yep. Mm. The caster of magic is uh, is the official add-on, right? Yes, it is. That's that's something we'll we'll uh, talk about a little more later. Because that's actually really interesting because I think it came out in 2019 or something. That was the official release, uh, right? Uh, Cerave had been working on it for a couple of years. Exactly, but still, that's yeah, that's pretty recent. Yeah. That's amazing. I didn't even know about that whole thing when we decided to play this game for for January. I was blown away. I was like, "What? A DLC came out like last year? What?" <laughs> so yeah. Kind of unexpected surprise, but still really cool. So that definitely deserves its own little discussion, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
we talked about the different magic types a little bit, not really in depth. Um, there's six. There's there's six categories. Well, five. I would say there's five flavors of magic, and then there's one like general purpose. Like everyone has these spells, kind of magic, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, and this is where the parallels to Magic: The Gathering really jump out at you because if you've played Magic: The Gathering, the psychology of each color of magic really—you'll you, know how to do it. Mm. Uh, Life—it's all about healing and buffing your units. Nature—you summon big things and have some basic control spells like Web. Honestly, Web is probably the most powerful spell in the game at the end of the day, but. <laughs> Um, sorcery is the one where it definitely shows its uh, ancestry because like sorcery, like why would you have a blasting spell in sorcery? But no, sorcery gets psionic blast because it's a Magic the Gathering card like yeah. Phantom Warriors <laughs> and all these other things. And uh, Yeah, but also sorcery is blue. Yes. And I feel sonic blast just is naturally blue. That makes sense. That just makes sense. <laughs> but uh, also in Magic the Gathering, blue always has these like gigantic summonable creatures at the end. And uh, so sorcery gets the Sky Drake, which is, I think, the biggest, beefiest thing on the table and has magic immunity and lightning breath and everything. Awesome. It's a wonderful creature. Also, lots of um, imagine, like, yeah, we call it imaginary units. Um, Oh yeah, illusions. Illusions, that's one. So your phantom warriors and phantom beasts that penetrate armor unless the enemy is immune to illusions. Awesome. And then there's chaos, which is the you know red magic the gathering equivalent, where just lots of fire spells. Fire, yeah, (laughs) doom and death, everything on fire. (laughs) Blasty. Uh, Chaos is also one of the two colors for the kind of denial strategy in this game, where you can use corruption to make a tile useless. Or you can raise a volcano, which mm. will actually destroy resources on the map. So can, yeah, that's actually really cool. You can destroy resources, but you can also destroy uh, you know, cities and their um, ability to produce gold, which is very cool because that gives a whole different tactical uh, element to it. Yes, because fun is when your opponents can't do anything. <laughs> well, sort of. And I mean, that uh, is... So, yeah. But yeah, so you can pair that up with death where you tend to have these like city debuffs like famine, which reduces their food production and evil presence type things that mess with their productions. Yeah, good times. Yeah. And you can actually mix mix and match these, right? I mean, you can, oh, yeah. it's not like you pick one of these. You can. You can go full in on one, but you can also just... Can you pick them all, actually? I think you can. The only combo you can't do in the base game is life and death. Right. Yeah, so you can yeah. have five out of the six. Mm. Well, four out of the five. Um, because the arcane, that's the last category. They're like the general purpose spells, yeah. right? So, yeah. yeah. And two of the retorts that your wizard can take require you to have three colors. Mm. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah, node mastery and rune master. But there's also retorts for if you're like a specialist, right? Like if you... Yes. Like, uh, there's there's infernal power for black magic, divine power for white magic, and then there's nature mastery, life mastery, sorcerer mastery, and I'll let you guess yeah. what those are for. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, which is, uh, again, the, the modders basically collapsed all those into one retort called specialization, which I think yeah. was a good move because they're basically just the same thing over and over. Efficient. But uh, again, it, it really gives you replay value because it's uh, you know a very different uh, style when you put all your effort into one type of magic, or if you've uh, if you're playing with a bit of everything. Mm. 
Yeah, Life Warlord is a very different game than Sorcery Artificer. Sorcery Artificer lets you do what I like to call the Justice League strategy, where you (laughs) can have all six heroes in one army, and they're all flying, invisible, immune to magic, (laughs) and equipped with powerful magical weapons. Awesome. So and most that, of your enemies just stand there wondering what is happening as they're just destroyed from above. <laughs> and again, you can kind of pick and match and uh, mix and match and get the, the the spells and abilities so that you can basically just create the best weapons uh, from scraps. You know, it's it's oh, it's yeah. cool. It's that's also a, a a strategy. If you can get magic immunity and regeneration from nature, then you got a pretty good magic item. <laughs> And and I think the kind of magic I don't know what do you call these like the flavors of magic or the schools I, the, I think is the, the yeah the that term they usually use yeah so I think the like the 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 main one the one I think you have the most points in um, that determines your little guy right like the little you're familiar uh, yes yeah the guy. yeah the guy who says yo you've got a unit <laughs> or a building yeah I like the little imp you get I think yeah. with uh, chaos magic yeah. Yeah, he's like a little devil laying there, like saying, yes. "Oh, by the way, you got stables now." <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> hey, boss, you got a granary. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks, was, devil guy. I wish they had voiced him. <laughs> that helps also with the with the role playing. Mm. I feel like you're really you are this wizard, you know. So yeah, of course you got a devil assistant. I'm the I'm the Lord of Chaos, of course. So yeah, this is cool. What do you get when there's not one type of magic that is dominant? Like if you have two life and two nature, what, which one do you get? Is it random? Or there's, just... there's a hierarchy built into the game where it prioritizes them in a certain order. I don't remember mm. offhand what it is. No. That's so good. if you had three of each, then whichever one gets the priority gives you your familiar. Yeah, makes sense. It doesn't really affect anything, right? It's just the theming of the game, the way it looks. But it's... I guess so. Yeah, yeah. the only... The only thing that really affects gameplay is uh, if you have life magic or death magic, because there will be uh, good moon and bad moon events that uh, increase the power of uh, good temples and evil temples. Hmm. There, there are events for chaos and uh, nature nodes as well. well I guess it's hmm. slightly different. Well, yeah, the the node based ones. But yeah. if you've got if you've got the right node, then you get the benefits of that event or not. Yeah, I guess that's not this, yeah, dependent on your skills. But one of the things that I really like uh, as well is they they do play with all these things. So uh, one thing that happened to me was I conquered a uh, dungeon, and then I found another book, another spell book. So not just uh, you know a spell which you can also find this in these things, but an actual spell book. So my my you know stats of my wizard increased, which was really cool. Nice. Yeah, if, if you look at the like uh, the sort of power gaming, uh, here here's how to beat the game on impossible mm. kind of things. They'll they'll go to dungeons and just reload the dungeon uh, over and over again until they get like spell books or certain retorts and whatnot. Yeah, that's but it's uh, that's it's too bad. so cool because when you get a spell in a dungeon, I thought that was really cool. Like you know, you you've just got a free spell which might be more powerful than the one you're researching, but like a whole spell book that's that's next level. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um. There's also the resource. We, we, we talked weirdly a little bit about the resources at the beginning, like without any context. Mm. <laughs> uh, we, we mentioned there's food and there's gold and there's, you know, all the stuff. There's mana. We've not talked about the mana at all, which is weird because this is like your main 
source of magic, right? This is yeah. sort of what the game is all about. It's like the fuel, the wizard fuel. And I guess that's the thing. Like this is this is really a you know wizard a duel game. Like the, all the all the characters are wizards. You, you you can be a warlord, but you're still a wizard. There is no mm. you know uh, Conan style character or arch or whatever. Like you can hire heroes that don't have magic, but all the avatars have have magic. So yeah, the the mana really is an important part of the game. Mm. Yes. <laughs> the nice thing about heroes is they cast spells using their own mana, not yours. Oh, that is good. Yeah, that is good. And this is this is separate from the magic power, isn't it? I mean, there's the there, there's like the research which uh, determines how fast you're getting new spells, but you also have this power element to it. So I probably played this game for about 15 years before I started really messing with the magic sliders. Yeah, which <laughs> <laughs> is most people are probably like that's a fundamental part of the strategy. But um, yeah, so you can. Uh, you can devote your mana income to increasing your casting power to let you cast spells faster or cast more spells per turn or per combat. You can devote it into research or you can just devote it into raw power to increase the amount of mana you have to fuel yeah. your actual spells. Mate, exactly, exactly. So that's that's an interesting balance. I, be, I bet uh, you you did use the other uh, item on that menu, though, which is the transmute gold to mana option. Oh, yes, the alchemy <laughs> button gets used a lot. Yeah. Uh, and again, there's a skill for that. You can become an alchemist, and then it's much more efficient. Yeah, that's one of the retorts, right? Yeah. One of the traits. Yeah, that's. It's it's interesting all these different playstyles which which the game enables. It's yeah, it's really fun to just explore what's all possible. Um, we have talked a little bit about the spells, although I think it's mainly Father Beast who mentioned like his favorite spells. Uh, there's different kinds of spells, aren't there? Like uh, it relates to the different characters who can also cast spells. I mean, there's there's like the player character, the avatar, you, and you can cast these global spells in the world, uh, and you can summon things. But there's there's also like little spells used in combat, like a I don't know a, a firebolt or something. This yeah yeah yeah. Like if you look within if you look within chaos magic, you've got like your little firebolt spell that you can only cast in combat, and then you've got on the overworld, you can cast a firestorm over a tile, and every unit in that tile gets hit with a strength eight attack or whatever. And mm-hmm. then uh, you've got your uh, city enchantment, where you can you can put a chaos rift or something over an enemy city, and lightning bolts come out of it and destroy their buildings and troops every turn that it's up there. And if you're uh, playing against uh, the Tauron char- pre-made character, you try to kill him as quickly as possible before he casts the Armageddon spell and mm. volcanoes appear everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's And there's also uh, you know nice spells that you can cast in your own cities to make them more uh, you know more populous or generating more gold. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of um, uh, I think it's really cool that you can cast spells on the map. You can cast spells in combat, and then you can also summon units that are basically just act as normal units yeah yeah it's cool that there's different kinds of of spell because this is really a central thing i mean obviously you are a wizard so you're casting spells all day yeah and yeah it's cool that you can it's not just one specific area of the game where this is affected it's it's throughout the game in different situations life magic lets you put a spell on a city that completely negates all unrest so you can max out all your taxes (laughs) yep (laughs) free money uh, and then you can convert the money back into mana exactly. so then 
I think this yeah. is one of, what I really like about it. It's got like all the cool parts of civilization with the city management and, you know, creating new buildings and units and all that stuff. But then it also has the combat of Heroes of Might and Magic. You can bless a unit or you can cast an enchant weapon on them so they hit much harder. Uh, and then you have like, you don't have the same kind of uh, mills and stuff, but you have these uh, one-time events, uh, these dungeons and things that you can go explore. Uh, and it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's like a nice thing to make your here your characters you hear are more experienced and more powerful while you're uh, exploring. Yeah, definitely. I already mentioned that the town screen is basically a carbon copy of Civilization or Master of Orion for that matter. Um, it, I think it took me a while when I was a kid to, to learn that you can change the roles of the guys. Yeah. You can just click the guys and they're either workers or farmers, I think. Uh, which is kind of important. Which is only uh, <laughs> represented by the way they stand. Yeah, they're facing left or right, <laughs> which makes them... Oh, obviously, a farmer faces left. I mean, it's everyone a, uh, understands that. <laughs> it's a posture-based case system. Yeah. <laughs> you, you face the other direction. You're now a farmer. Yeah. <laughs> You're not even looking at the farm. What? Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a bit... I don't know. It's not really transparent or apparent when you first dive into this game. But it's it's kind of important to know wh- whether you're focusing on food or production. It's also quite cool because you can play with some some strange races. Like you can be the, the Gnolls, who are like big, uh, stupid fighter lizard types or more like beasts. Uh, hyena it, men, basically. Yeah, hyena is perfect. Yeah. But they, you can also build them a library and then they will uh, help you research spells. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, hyena man. <laughs> hey, we found this dispel magic. I go read yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, I ate the book. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, man, Knowles, I, it's funny. He, the uh, Father Beast said Klekons are the the worst race. I, I think most people think Knowles are the worst race, mm. and they they have very they have like no end game capability whatsoever but you'll end up with uh I, I one of the first times i played i was just not developing fast enough and the gnolls can produce these units called wolf riders mm. and they they showed up at my door and they may as well have been demigods compared to what i yeah. had to fight them with i had the same thing actually it's this game can be pretty hard if you're like completely clueless then then yeah. yes you can you can yeah just mess around for a long time without making a lot of real progress and then yeah you're you're suddenly stormed by a a very mid-level unit which uh, just destroys everything you have uh yeah so yeah and the it's, the ai even on on like super easy intro will yeah will send some you know random ravaging bears or whatever so you you have to make sure you have some kind of defense um which mm-hmm. you know is expensive to maintain but it kind of makes sense you shouldn't just be your main city standing around unguarded. Mm, totally. Well, the the developers of the game understood that the AI is not very bright in this, so they gave the AI a bunch of advantages. Mm. And essentially, the only reason they don't wipe you out within the first couple of turns is because there's, I think, a 100-turn grace period where they <sighs> won't declare war on you. Right. So you kind of have that timer where you're like, you've got to be ready for some stuff to go down by the time you hit that 100-turn. But even then, like uh, if you haven't played a game before, you, you start out with a couple of units, and they, you know they, it's like a swordsman and a spearman. They probably take some units out. You go into a dungeon, 
And you get completely, you know, eaten up by a band of war bears. Yeah, I, back in the day, I tried to play this game like it was uh, like Crusader Kings or something. <laughs> I'd have mm. my my units of swordsmen and with pikemen behind them and some archers, and <laughs> yeah. like, oh look, yeah. here's a dragon. They're all dead. Yeah, yeah. This this game is <laughs> is not so straightforward, really. I I don't remember this from playing it as a kid. I I remember just having a lot of fun with this mm. as a kid, and then I. I didn't play it a lot in between, so I, I checked it out again in January, and I was just slaughtered. I was just like, <laughs> "What is this game?" I thought it was this was not this hard, but it kind of is. I think it does a lot of things right, though, because it will tell you, like when you go into a dungeon, it'll say, "Oh, it, it looks like there's some, uh, you know, uh, greater demon in here," uh, and. Uh, it will, you sure, bro? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and even if you go in and you thought there was one greater demon, but hey, it's actually a party. There's 10 of them. Uh, you know, you can flee and uh, you might lose a unit uh, or a hero, but sometimes you can get away with it. Um, oh. Whereas, you know, in Heroes of Might Magic, you're like, oh, there's some sprites here. You go in and it's like, oh, yeah, there was 5,000 sprites there. <laughs> oh, yeah. There, there's a few sprites. Yeah. How many is yeah. a few? Nine. Well, <laughs> yeah. uh, let's let's talk about invisible units in dungeons. Yes. Like, oh, what's it? What's in there? Oh, a sprite. <laughs> also, five air elementals. Oh, couldn't see those. Yes. You can't hit with normal weapons. Great. That's the saddest situation when you have no units that can do anything against your enemy. Yeah. Like it's a flying <laughs> unit or a phantom unit or something, and you're just you're just standing there waiting to be. That's ah, oh, that's that's not good. So I'll be I'll be completely honest. I, I tend to save before I go into things, but even then, sometimes I'm I'm happy to take a little bit of a hit because uh, you know if you have a big combat, you lose a hero, you can hire a new one. It's fine, but like. Mm. Um, Sometimes you can be screwed over, uh, uh, and it just feels a bit like, yeah, I should have should have seen that the you know there wasn't just one bear in there; there was actually twenty. Yeah, I find it's a really nice um, advancement of relative power. Like in the beginning, you're really weak, and obviously you have to to choose whether to to build buildings and and research or just build some units and and kind of try and kill off what's in your vicinity, but. Um, it scales up like you get increasingly better and better uh, units, and you can hire heroes and better and and other units and and summon units, and uh, you know all the way up to the end of the game where you literally you know having dragon fighting dragons and um, you know doing uh, throwing Armageddon spells and what what what's not. <laughs> so it's a really yeah. nice kind of going from the beginning stage to absolute total uh, world um, world war seven or whatever. Yeah, and it keeps on being interesting. That's that's. I mean, in the beginning, you're just impressed by what you are offered, uh, but it it keeps on building. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, I thought these units were cool, but actually, now I've got these ones, and then it just keeps on going. There's not really a point where you're out of stuff to research or to, you know, it's mm-hmm. it, it it's all the way up to the end game that that new stuff keeps appearing. So. It is yeah. so satisfying to be a chaos mage and just walk into some town, start the combat, cast flame strike, and watch most of the enemy units die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the spells are really great. But yeah, it's like I had a I had a really overpowered hero, I thought, and some good units with him. And then I went into the uh, the, the dark world, the uh, Mirren, and uh, and uh, went into uh, one of the dungeons without <laughs> saving, and then like almost got wiped. <laughs> ah. Yeah. And that, that that was good because like yeah now I have a challenge again exactly exactly you're never really secure or yeah 
So there are a me. few Sky Drakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel we've covered quite a lot of the game now. Um, maybe it's good if we talk a little bit about Simtex and about Microprose and like how this came together. Although I'm also going to say we're not going to cover this as in-depth as as we've done in some other uh, episodes, mostly because we've already done this. Um, I mean, we've done the Master of Orion episode. Uh, oh, right. So we talked about Simtex back then, and we talked about Steve Persia and, and Microprose a little bit. So honestly, just go listen <laughs> to that. I think it was episode oh, 24 or something. This is uh, DOS Game Club level two. You can just refer people to previous episodes. <laughs> well, sort of. I mean, this, what's the point in, yeah. in going over this again? But awesome. uh, the, the broad strokes are that uh, Simtex is a studio founded by Steve Barcia, who is also the game designer for this game, which I feel is a really... 80s early 90s sort of trait like where the ceo is also the programmer it's also just like that doesn't really happen with triple a studios anymore but uh, that was really common in my day you programmed your own <laughs> game in the garage yeah, exactly well that's that's really what this is so uh, you know it's just steve Garcia. i think they were based in in austin texas uh and they had a pretty good relationship with Microprose, who was their publisher. Um, and I'm actually not sure because later on I, I read that Microprose closed them down. So maybe they were owned by Microprose. I don't know. But they they definitely um, were, were had a close relationship with them. Um, and I'm not exactly sure they were founded in 1988, but I don't know what they did for the first couple of years. Probably like freelance work or work for hire. I don't know. It's, not making their own games, that's for sure, because their first game is Master of Orion from 93. So, yeah, there's five years where there's not really a game credited to them. Um, and then they they had a short run, really, because uh, they made only four games, and they made four games in three years. So the first game is, is Master of Orion in 93, and then they made Master of Magic, this game, in 94. Then they went on a complete tangent and made a Railroads and Robbers 1830. I don't know what this even is. I've not played this, but it's some kind of train game, also a strategy game, I think, but more set into like history, 19th century, that sort I've of stuff. I've seen it on abandonware um, sites. So I've never actually messed with it. Hmm. I've not played it. I, I'm not even sure if this... It, it might be a DOS game. It's from 95, so... Yeah, I think it's an adaptation of uh, one of the 1800, 18xx uh, board games. Yeah, I think it's a board game adaptation. You're right. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't know. They, they did that. Uh, DOS bot says it's available for DOS. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. If anyone wants to suggest that, then we can maybe <laughs> play it in the future. I don't know. It's It might be interesting because they only made four games. So, we can actually play all of their games. You know, it's, yeah, it's doable. Um, the last game they made was Master of Orion 2, the sequel to the first game. Uh, that was released in 96. And that's it. That's like all the games they made. Uh, some more games were in development. They were making a game called either Mech Lords or Metal Lords. Uh, that was cancelled. They were making a game called Guardians, Guardians Ancient Agents of Justice. Um, that was apparently the game they were working on when they were closed down. They closed down in 97, uh, so I guess they were in the middle of this game. I don't know what it was, but 
Uh, yeah, and that's it. That's like that's that's Simtex. So um, later crazy, on, crazy, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know if we, I don't remember if we talked about that in the Master of Orion episode, but um, at least three of those games are, are really popular, or at least two of them, and one has has its massive fan base. Mm-hmm. I wonder what made them close down back then. I mean. Mass of Orion 2 was 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 a massive hit, right? Yeah, so. I, I think they were the victim of the things that happened over at Microbros. Because uh, Microbros was founded way earlier in the early 80s by Sid Meier and Bill Steely. We talked a little bit about this in the uh, Knights of the Sky episode. Um, so if you want to go to that one, I don't know which one that is from the top of my head. But yeah, we... we Talked about the history of microprose in that one, um, but episode thirty-two. Yeah, very good. <laughs> so, uh, microprose was was founded in the early eighties, but then they they became huge. Like microprose was one of the computer game powerhouses, like you know, one of the big five companies probably making games. And then it sort of fell apart in the mid nineties. Um, and people left. Sid Meier left. Jeff Briggs left. Brian Reynolds left. Uh, they went to form Firaxis, which is still around and still making Civilization games, I think. Um, but yeah, this is also when Simtex was closed down. So uh, I think they changed management or changed owners even. They were they merged with Spectrum Holobyte at one point and they were acquired by Hasbro later and hmm. it sold to Infogrames and I don't know. It's just a bit of a mess, really. But yeah, in the mid-90s, Microprose just kind of fell apart and all the guys left and, and Simtex was closed down. So, yeah. So Sid Meier was there until 96. So do you, do you know if he was at all involved in Master of Magic? I don't think he was really part of the design of this game, but I'm sure that he saw what they were doing. Hmm. So... Yeah. Somebody yelled down the hallway, hey, Sid, we're taking your city screens. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Sid, want to design a city screen? And he was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> he released uh, an uh, autobiography last year, so maybe someone... Oh, that's interesting. Do some research. Yeah, that might be oh. an interesting read. And and I, there's probably some some stuff about Simtex in there, because I think it was one of the studios that, that Microprose was pretty proud of. You know, all the yeah. games were like quality stuff, so... And I mean, obviously, they wouldn't... Well, there's a lot of similarities to Civilization, right? So they, they must have had his blessing to mm. just copy that stuff. Everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even had the same zone of control for the cities. Yeah, mm. yeah, you're right. Um, Steve Barcia, he remained part of the uh, video game industry for a while. He was part of uh, Retro Studios. He was even the president of Retro Studios, which was also based in Texas. And it was... I think it was the Nintendo studio. Uh, They did Metroid Prime. So, yeah, that's pretty huge. Mm -hmm. Um, He later worked for EA in Canada, in Vancouver, which I think is one of the big EA studios, to be honest. Um, I don't know what he did there. I mean, I don't know if he was a programmer or producer or an executive. I I imagine he was a pretty high up guy by that time. Um, He's on the credits of games like SSX, and uh, Need for Speed un- uh, Undercover. So, yeah, the, like big EA games, you know. So, uh, I don't know what he did since. I think he's retired now. I, I imagine he is, anyway. Um, because I have not read any more recent things coming out of his, uh, like, yeah, what he's working on or anything. So, yeah, I don't know. 
that's that's the broad strokes uh, as far as I uh, I have it. Actually, there's an interesting little article on the Digital Antiquarian, which is a really cool uh, blog where there's all in-depth articles about this game, and they have one about Master of Magic too. So I'll put a link up uh, if you want to read more about the history of of this game. But this is the article that mentions that they had, had this really short release cycle. I think the whole game was was developed in like nine months or something. So, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's fun to to talk a little bit about like how this game got released, and then because everything that I read about the release of this game is that there were tons of bugs, and it was just really really buggy. It was crash happy. Yeah. And was it just crashes or was it also like the game itself being a bit wonky and like not functioning properly? Um, As I understand it, like the spell Cloak of Fear, for instance, ended up not actually doing anything or did the opposite (laughs) of what it was supposed to do. Where like you'd put it on your guy and they would be too afraid to attack somebody else instead of the other way around. Mm. Um, The AI has some very exploitable holes. I don't know how much you want to call that a bug, though, or just uh, yeah. Well, just patch that out because there were lots of patches, right? There were lots of patches, uh, and the like fan patch project went on continuously. Exactly. um, With uh, the the official mod that they've released for it, or the official expansion, essentially being an extension of that patching project. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. I think we should we should dive into this a little bit because th- this is not really a very common process. This doesn't happen to a whole lot of games. So it, the way I understand it is that uh, Simtex and Microprose themselves, they released a bunch of patches after this game came out up to version 1.31, which is, I think, the last like official uh, Simtex patch. But this was not the end of the patches because fans, they just kept on making patches, right? Yeah. Um, I don't remember the names of everybody involved in like the community patch project, but uh, it went off uh, in the direction of Caster of Magic. Uh, and there was a, uh, there was a, the most recent kind of community patch was called Insecticide for a while because uh, it killed so many bugs. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, the uh, there was an official, not an official, but there was a, another patch called Raid to kill more bugs that was made by Sarah V, who also made Caster of Magic. Right. And is that the 1.40 uh, patch? Because if you, if you get the game on, on GOG, for example, now, that, that's actually the, the version you're getting. That's a fan patch. That's what they're selling now. Yes. That's bizarre. Uh, you you can play the original version. You can play the community patch version, which I guess would technically be like 1.40 Q or something, because they were okay. they were up to 1.40 O, which was not a stable release before mm. uh, before Cerave's raid, which is basically the community patch, right? And and this guy, um, let me get an email because uh, Cerave. He is the um, the one who made the Caster of Magic uh, add-on, right? Yes. And he also worked on these community patches. Yeah, even the beginning of Caster of Magic, I believe, was a, a multi-person project, but then everybody but Sarah V kind of dropped off. 
Mm. And uh, another modder called Implode actually kind of went off in his own direction to make a multiplayer patch for it. Okay. That's which has never had an official non-beta stable release. <laughs> right. But it's kind of interesting that um, because Caster of Magic, uh, that's the 2019 uh, add-on, that's also available on GOG. Yep. Mm. Um, I actually sent Seraphi an email uh, just asking about this. I also invited him to the show, but I guess he's a bit, I don't know, he doesn't really want to be. He he doesn't talk. No, he, he's got a YouTube channel where he'll like show off his uh, his current state of Caster of Magic Two or whatnot, and mm. uh, he'll pull up a notepad and type messages on the screen. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I mean, people are what they are. It's yeah. just it's just cool. But I sent him an email uh, because uh, I first said, "Well, would you come onto the show?" And then he said, "No, but if you can just ask your question, I'll answer it in email." So I did that. Um, and he explained that, uh, how this all happened, you know, is that he was approached by Slytherine's CEO. I don't know what Slytherine really is. Uh, they're a game company that picked up the license for Master of Magic. Right. Okay. So I think the plan was to make a sequel. Uh, I think they, they, they got the rights, uh, with the idea to make a sequel to Master of Magic. And apparently they, they approached this uh, prominent modder, patcher guy, Seraphi, and asked basically his input, like, what are your ideas on, on what a sequel would be? And he just proposed, well, I, uh, let me see what he writes. I asked, he, this is Seraphi in his email. He said, I asked if the rights they obtained include the first Ma- Master of Magic, because in that case, we could make the community patch official so more people can play the stable uh, instead of the original 1.31 patch that crashed all the time. Then I had to explain the community patch and Caster of Magic are two entirely different things, as he thought it's the same thing. And we ended up with the results of releasing Caster of Magic as an official add-on. Nice. So other than mentioning, I have this, maybe we should sell it. I didn't do anything special. That's what he says. (laughs) (laughs) He's humble. (laughs) Yeah, I guess he is. It's still really cool to have an official DOS game out on GOG like that. I mean, that's... Uh, Cerevi also uh, hops into the chat of this YouTuber, Hadrix's YouTube channel a lot when he's playing Caster of Magic and tells him everything he's doing wrong, so... (laughs) <laughs> that's cool he's fun so yeah maybe we should just talk a little bit about caster of magic like what how is it different from the base game what does it offer what does it bring to the table uh well actually real quickly before we get into that uh, i wanted to mention that the master, original master of magic was going to be released as a game called god kings mm-hmm. hmm. and if you look at the names of the wizards you've got kali freya and horus which are gods and then I think they switched over rather quickly because the portrait for Horus has uh, very little to do with Egyptian gods and is actually, as far as I can tell, a scanned image of uh, the wizard Skeev from Robert Asprin's myth series. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Huh. I, I was also reading uh, doing some research that they, they were making a, a sequel um, yeah. in, what was that, 97? Yeah. And... Uh, they said it was going to be complete in 98, but then uh, they closed down Simtex. Mm. And then Micropro said, well, they, we, they, we're going to make it. And again, it was canceled because the, the company basically went uh, bankrupt in 
2000. Yeah. Um, and then there is another uh, spiritual successor, which was a Kickstarter called Worlds of Magic, which was released in uh, 2015. Okay. Uh, and that's that's available on on Steam, etc. So yeah, there's uh, there's been some some games in between. Oh, that's cool. If you go to the uh, save load screen for Master of Magic, you can actually see God Kings written down the sides of the screen. Oh, right. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, God Kings. They should call it uh, Civizard God Civizard Kings. God Kings. <laughs> Coming this summer. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway, let's talk about Caster of Magic. What is this Caster thing? What's up with the Caster? I have not actually played the, the Caster of Magic add-on yet myself, so I'm interested in hearing. So CeraVe kind of had three... Uh, objectives for Caster of Magic, which was one, have a faster start to the game. Hmm. Uh, two, make sure magic is always kind of the first and foremost aspect of the game. And uh, third, to plug up various holes in the artificial intelligence hmm. to take away certain exploitable strategies. So where in the base game, for instance, I could make a Dark Elf Nightblade, which is a naturally invisible unit, walk him up to an enemy city, uh, then cast the spell uh, Call Lightning, and the enemy will just sit there in their city, letting the lightning destroy them because they can't see the person who's there to fight back. Um, I mean, what what would you do? I mean... (laughs) In uh, Caster of Magic, the enemy units actually come spilling out of the city and they start canvassing the map so that they can try to get next to your invisible unit to reveal it, as opposed to just sitting there and dying. That's very cool. Uh, So a lot of that kind of thing was uh, taken away. Um, Your tower actually is able to defend itself. Uh, your Your actual magic tower in your capital will shoot lightning bolts at the enemy and the strength of the lightning bolts is based on your casting strength. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so if you do have some sort of early rush of a monster at your tower and you're just sitting there with like two swordsmen and a spearman, they can get blasted by lightning instead of just being game over. Um, he altered a lot of the race balance. He added a couple of uh, intermediary units to various races where the races seem to have like low tier units and then high tier units and nothing in between. Right. So like the high men got a crusader, which is basically sort of an armed cleric and a knight, which is sort of a non-magical paladin or heavy cavalry. Uh, He took away the magic immunity of high men paladins because he saw that as kind of an insult to the nature of the game that you could Mm. just uh, make a bunch of magic immune uh, horsemen and storm the world with them. Against enemy wizards that are powerless to stop them. So, is it really is it really very different to play Caster of Magic versus the original? Because it sort of looks like on a surface level, it sort of looks the same. But I get the feeling that actually playing it, it's quite different. Yes, it's like I said, it's a much faster start. So, for example, in the base game, if you build a sawmill, you get a like something like a. 25% increase of the production bonus that you get from forests, mm. yeah. which you, know, yeah. you, if you actually pull up what the contribution of the sawmill is, it's usually like one or two hammers or pickaxes or whatever their symbol is. Yeah. Whereas in caster of magic, you build a sawmill. It just gives you plus six production. 
Right. Um, a marketplace just gives you plus eight gold instead of giving you a bonus to your tax revenue. Mm. Uh, so you're you're able to. Oh, and there, he included a magic market, which is a building that just you build it and it gives you plus six mana right off the bat. Nice. And he also doubled the amount of mana that you get from religious buildings. Mm. So it's it's very oh. much get up running and go. Yeah, this really helps because the, the the game can be really slow to start, especially especially if you don't know what you're doing, like what you're aiming at. You're just kind of wondering, just yeah, clueless. Um, and and because things do so little, like you said, like with the sawmill, I built sawmills all over the place, and yeah, <laughs> it's okay. hard to tell that they're doing anything. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, what am I? What am, what am I actually doing? It, it it does sound more focused. This Castle of Magic uh, add-on. It's yeah, like, uh, yeah, a more modern interpretation maybe of this genre. Trying to address some of those uh, exploitable tactics, which is uh, commendable because that's <laughs> very hard to do. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been playing Caster of Magic pretty exclusively for years and years and years now. I used to download the most recent version from Cerave's uh, website when he'd release a new version of it. Um, and yeah, it's hard to go back. <laughs> it's it's yeah. really mm-hmm. hard to go back and play the base game. I, I think it would still be a fun experience for somebody who's just getting into it, but as uh, it's hard to go back. Right. That's cool. That's that's like they really took that original game and just made it more appropriate for a modern audience and just a better game all around by the sound of it. But uh, in terms of the looks, it's exactly the same game. <laughs> they actually, they changed the looks of one unit that I can think of uh-huh. where they, tur- they they took the Gorgons, which were these flying bulls and turned them into Medusa-looking things. Hmm. Nice. Okay. Oh, that's that's, and it, it's for sale separately. Does it require the 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 base game, or it is yes. an add-on? Yeah, right. If you're going through GOG, you you get uh, the base game through sort of a launcher, hmm. and then you have to get the Caster of Magic to unlock it in the launcher. Right. And is that the only way that it's available now, or can you still get it through his website? No, nah, it's not up on the website anymore. I got to pay for it. Right. Well, that's fair. I mean, uh, it sounds like a lot of work went to this. So, I mean, I like I said, I was downloading it off of his site up until it became an official release, and when it became an official release, I went and bought it to yeah, exactly support yeah. his work. Yeah. So I think cool. it's like two dollars fifty on GOG. Yeah, it's yeah, it's on <laughs> sale all the, the time. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. No, this is really this is a, a whole new dimension to to an old game. It's, yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, it's not often you, often you see, uh, you know, uh, what is it, uh, games from 94 being uh, updated in 2020. Yeah. No, exactly. So this says something about how dedicated these fans are. So, yeah, that's nice. Um, I don't think this game got any other releases outside of the PC, except for one thing that I found, but I, it, it was just a line somewhere on, I don't know, on Wikipedia or something. It said... It was released for PlayStation in Japan. Yes, I've. Does, does anyone? I've seen uh, screenshots from the game. Uh, it's got a graphical upgrade from the DOS version. Huh. Uh, presumably has a sound upgrade as well. Uh, but everything is in Japanese, mm. which I'm, I'm not particularly fluent in. So I could probably play it just because I know the units well enough. Yeah, but, uh, it, it looks neat. But it's in Japanese. Yeah. It seems odd to play this sort of game on the PlayStation to me. I mean, 
a lot of strategies don't a lot of strategy games seem odd to play on console in general. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, with with a turn based strategy game, it, it kind of works. But with real time strategy, and there are tons of real time strategy games for for consoles. That's true. That's always weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At least that's true because it it can be fiddly with the with the controller, but but because of the turn based nature, you're not really particularly in a hurry. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of the turn-based nature of this game and playing it on other platforms, I, at my job, ended up temporarily transferred to a place where I could go for like an hour and a half with absolutely nothing happening, so I needed <laughs> stuff to do. Uh, there is an app called Magic DOSBox, and I put Magic DOSBox and Master of Magic on my phone. Hmm. And I've experimented with this app and other DOS games, and I think Master of Magic is the one that works best with it out of anything that I've tried. Nice. Cool. So oh. I, I've gotten to spend a lot of time sitting at work playing Caster of Magic on my phone. <laughs> well, that's one way to get paid. That's nice. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good tip. Um, speaking of the graphics and the sound, maybe it is it is interesting to go over them a little bit. Um I was somewhat surprised. Well, surprised not really a word, but it's it's just basic uh, three three twenty by two hundred VGA, right? It's I, it to me it seems this game could actually make use of like higher resolution, more detailed stuff, but it, it's just not there. It's it's pretty. Well, yeah, it wasn't really common in ninety four that you can rely on having like a square VGA card. No, no, exactly. So. There's definitely some uh, some units that I think could have benefited from a few more pixels. Hmm. Uh, the one that always comes to mind for me is the werewolves, where uh, <laughs> you know you, you expect these werewolves to be kind of sort of hunched, sinister things, and instead they're all standing perfectly upright in their little formation. <laughs> yeah, and, and and they kind of look like their sports team mascots lined up to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, it's it just seems like. There's a lot of stuff on the screen generally. So, yeah, things get pretty uh, minimal in terms of pixel use. It's just, yeah, it's pretty coarse. I I think everything stays pretty representative. Like, you're not looking at stuff going like, wait, what? Hmm. Um, Of course, uh, if you're playing Draconians and you have all these units that are hovering off the ground and flapping, it can be hard to tell where one thing starts and one thing ends. Hmm. Still, it's it's impressive they pulled this off with the low resolution. I mean, it's still it it looks pretty impressive in terms of gel, like colors and stuff. So, I think yeah. they did good work with what they had. Yeah, exactly. Um, to me, the wizard portraits are really iconic. That's like when you see those wizard portraits. That's like, oh yeah, oh this game. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. We've, we've got Sauron. We've got uh, <laughs> we've got Skeev from the. <laughs> A, a very basic Merlin, which it works. The dragon guy. And uh, <laughs> Kali, the goth prom queen. I like her. <laughs> Is that the uh, the voodoo priest who turns out to be a priestess? Uh, no, that would be Shari. The, ah, yes. uh, the one who would get the game an M rating. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I, ca- I call him Frank, which was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did talk a little bit about the cinematics. Uh yeah, that you really had to have that, like in that period. Was this a CD-ROM game, by the way? Does anyone know? Did did, did this come on floppy well, disks? I have it on CD-ROM. I don't know. If yeah, it's the only release. I'm pretty sure I have it on CD-ROM. Yeah, I imagine that's also why they felt inclined to in, to put the intro cinematic on there because, yeah, 
with loads of space, better fill it with something, right? So, <laughs> yeah. It's not like, uh, oh, we got, we're, we've put a line of spoken dialogue in. Uh, cut one third of the game out. Exactly, exactly. Um, the music is all like MIDI ad lib style synth, uh, pretty typical for the time, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not bad music. I, I played it a little with the MT32 emulation thing on, which kind of enhances it. But yeah, I don't know. I didn't feel the sound was particularly adding much to the game. I don't know. It's just the music is serviceable. Yeah, um, I, I like certain little touches with the combat sounds where you get uh, different sounds depending on the type of attack being used. Hmm. Like if a uh, magical unit has a magic subtype attack, it's sort of a and then if it has a if it has a fire subtype attack, they're like, oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so I so I like the little I like the little touches. Hmm. Uh, the music, yeah, it's serviceable. Uh, the one thing that got old really really fast with me was the research to new spell sound. Yeah. There is a lot of researching going on, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, hit, hit hit the mouse button, cancel this somehow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I tend to play these games like in the background, you know, just I, I have a game running all the time, and then I do a few moves and go on to do something else, and just play over a whole weekend or something. And sometimes I just turn the sound off, and I don't even notice. It's fine. I can just keep on playing and. So. Since, since everything is like the game's graphics shrink well, in my opinion, so I'll hmm. just have a, a little window with Master of Magic going, and then I'll just have like a YouTube video or something going next to it. Yeah, it's it's very much like a, a background game for that. It's like yeah, yep. it's something you've got going on all the time, and it's. I think I think this was one of the criticisms as well when it came out. It's like. Oh. How many times are you going to press press that end turn button? Because <laughs> there is a lot. Like it things goes quite slowly, and you have to. Uh, it takes time to build an army. It takes time to build a city. So I don't, yeah. I don't think that's a necessarily a bad thing. But yeah, it it, it is a long game. Hmm. It is maybe interesting to talk a little bit about the reviews. I don't know if you found any because I didn't really go looking for a lot. I've, I've taken a, a bit of a look. Okay. Um, so as usual, Richard has posted lots of stuff. Ah, that's um, excellent. There's, there's one one magazine. I assume it's PC Review. Um, I'm, I'm not not really familiar with these UK magazines. They even have, have a three-page review of the of the game. Oh, that's huge. So, um, they give it something like 7 out of 10 points. Hmm. So not, not not a massive hit, but those are honest 7 points back. Yeah, yeah back in the day. <laughs> so, there were the 7 real points. Uh, yeah. Right, so seven, 7 doesn't mean it's crap. That, that probably means it's they, they found it a decent game, right? Hmm. Yeah. Um, there are a few, few things on um, Moby Games, as usual, because they... Always have great, great summaries of, of the reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly, there it ranges from something like ninety percent all the way down to 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 fifty. Oh, um, interestingly, um, the the best review says um, this game and Master of, of Orion have this the master common in the name, but uh, they are very different. <laughs> and then there's a there's a Dutch a Dutch or yes a Dutch review that actually says yeah and yeah you know uh, not so much has really changed. Oh really? But they only gave it sixty-two, so they probably didn't understand the game. I don't know. Oh, let me let me look that one up. Let's see what they did there. Mar- Master Mar- 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 okay, okay. Let me see. Let me see. Master of Magic, and then the reviews. Second from the bottom. Okay, okay, okay. Where is it? Reviews. 
Gameplay Benelux. Oh, Gameplay Benelux. I know that magazine. That's uh, not a great magazine. <laughs> uh, My computer turned on. 8 out of 10. IGN. Mm, ah, yeah. They say, <laughs> they say, they literally say, it's it's a game that works. That's like, they're, they're sort of giving praise, but like the, the lowest of the low. Uh, like, yeah, it's, 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 they say it's for people who are not tired of civilization and just want to play more of that. Hmm. But be warned, there's not a lot more to it. So <laughs> that's, I don't, I don't know if these guys even really played it, to be honest. Yeah, that I seems, uh, that doesn't seem unfair. It seems wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think these guys just just started it and then the same afternoon wrote this article. I think they just yeah yeah. So when 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 you go up um, in in the rankings, then you see the next one is already eighty percent. Mm. So something between eighty and ninety is probably the the actual yeah, but uh, real rating of the game. I think uh, from what I read, you know, they've got. A lot of bad reviews immediately because they had so many bugs. But obviously, you well, you don't see that now if you just download the you know uh, what is that the fiftieth patch or something they put on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all patched out now. I mean, it so. it took twenty five years, but it's pretty good now. <laughs> From what I read, even uh, customizing your wizard was not available in the initial release. Hmm. I think it's not available if you play on the easy mode, but. <laughs> hmm. Could it be they didn't look hard enough? Yeah, well, yeah. I, I also read it got low reviews because it's so similar to Civilization and the bugs. And I, I think p- people just didn't really get it. Also, those are not really low reviews, right? Mm. I mean, we're talking 80 to 90% here. Well, sure. yeah. It just seems really stupid. Like, why Like, are they going to say the same thing about first-person shoots? Well, you know, it's like Doom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah. did, did. Didn't they do that for like 10 years? Yeah, they probably did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is interesting that this game didn't really spawn more stuff like it. Yeah. So, yeah, because that's the thing. I, I don't think, it, like, it obviously ha- is similar to Civilization, but I think it's so much more. And, uh, you know, Civilization is more in other directions. Like, I think the, uh, the, uh, uh, research and, um, science, uh, path in Civilization is, uh, much more advanced than the the sort of spell victory in in Master of Magic, but you know the spells in Master of Magic, those sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not a weak Civilization clone. It it takes inspiration from Civilization, but also from other games like uh, Heroes of Might Magic and the Magic: The Gathering, the the card game, and it's 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 its own thing. And I think it's really uh, cheap to just say, oh, it's like uh, it's like Civilization, but with fantasy mm. theme. Well, and this came out a year before uh, Heroes of Might and Magic. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, King's Bounty was out there, so I guess there could be yeah. some inspiration. But uh, yeah, before Ma- before Heroes of Might and Magic. Mm. Huh. Well, that's pretty crazy. That puts, puts it in perspective. Because there's a lot of stuff uh, in Heroes of Might and Magic that uh, I would have assumed they took inspiration from, like, you know, with the uh, different units and all that stuff and the spells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way I sort of got it is that well, this game came out and it didn't make a whole lot of impact on the whole video game industry as a whole. But then Heroes of Might and Magic came out and that game did. So I think everyone then looked at, oh, yeah, this is the way. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. And this game was like quickly forgotten because of it. So, huh. yeah. 
Some of these reviews are fun in uh, Google Translate. <laughs> the German version of the fantasy strategy Delicacy, Master of Magic. Huh. I don't think you're going to find delicacy too often. <laughs> uh, like, lecker business is a, a typical term to describe. Um, very, very good products in general. So. <laughs> uh, I saw on, on Wikipedia that they did they didn't release a sequel, as mentioned, but they did release a um, scenario for Civilization II, uh, the Fantastic Worlds expansion. Huh. Have anyone tried that? They also have a Master of Orion and an XCOM uh, scenario. <laughs> I have not tried the Civ II mod. I'm going to try and find that, because that sounds quite funny. And uh, obviously, Civ II is uh, iso- uh, isometric, so that should be interesting. That's fun. So, any, any more review stuff, Florian? Well, there's, there's a bit more. Um, one thing I just noticed that one of the reviews from PC Home, they actually say it comes on, on floppy disk. Oh. But it also says it needs 22 megabytes of hard drive, so I'm not sure if that that's, actually that's... matches up. Um, now, now, PC Games Germany was trying to get you pumped for the game there. <laughs> Dark forces, cheeky trolls, and dashing heroes determine the scenario of Master <laughs> of Magic. It does seem that the German magazines are quite favorable in general. Yeah, I think this this kind of yeah. game is, um, is well, was at least pretty popular back then. I mean, we have our own series that were very popular back then, like like Battle Isle. That is not not too un, un, not not too different from from these games. So. Hmm. Well, being a uh, a strategy game fan in the United States, uh, it's always like the strategy section of a board game store would be referred to like as the German section. <laughs> wow. I mean, do you like German games? I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Another thing that I find interesting is comparing this game to the other two real syntax games, right? Master of Orion. Mm-hmm. Um, as mentioned, um, the Master of Magic reviews go up all the way to 90, but both Master of Orion games overall have um, reviews in the hundreds. So. Uh. Yeah, I think in general, the Master of Orion series was just really successful. And this one was seen as a sort of, yeah, okay, that, but with wizards. Not as interesting, maybe. Although it really is, it plays completely different than Master of Orion, so... Yeah, that's, eh. Well, I'm willing to bet none of those reviewers played against a friend using a telepathic race. <laughs> I'd be like, uh, Master of Orion, 50 out of 100. Damn telepaths. <laughs> So um yeah if if uh, like I mentioned Gog a few times that's that's I think the main way to get this game now I don't know if it is it also on Steam and other stores I don't know That's a good question Uh yes it's on Steam yeah Oh that's cool Okay so yeah I guess you can just buy this game for probably 5 bucks something like that Yeah uh yeah it's it's uh just under 5 pounds on Steam and cost of magic is 2 2 pounds or if you're a bit patient, you can pay twice that and get a boxed copy. So. Oh, nice. On eBay, <laughs> you mean? Yes. Um, they are surprisingly su- surprisingly cheap on eBay. And there's, they're usually also abundant. So. Huh. Hmm. Well, th- this seems uh, quite a good game for collectors then, Florian. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, if, if you're a collector of Syntex games. Then, <laughs> oh, it's um, cool to get the whole series, right? Yes, it's exactly. Like, it's only exactly. four games. So that's, uh, the, that's... the other two are, are way more expensive and, ah. and a lot rarer. So oh, this one is maybe a good, good, good yeah. one to start. The whole yeah, Simtex exactly. collection. Right. Um, did, did we forget anything? Did we, did we not mention any big yeah. things? We... The thing that the game lacks, I guess, uh, is it doesn't have any, uh, any uh, campaign or anything like that. It's all 
Ah. Generated random maps, but I guess that's similar to civilization. Yeah, it's also the the syntax master method. Right? Yeah, none of none of them have it. Well, civilization, civilization actually had scenarios. Yeah, they did have scenarios. Yeah. But yeah, so you yeah. just you just get a random. You can create. You can decide how big the world is and how many enemy players. Uh, and uh, also the the amount of uh, how how much power the spells should have, which is an interesting setting. But um, yeah. yeah, it's a it's a multiplier, right? You can just say double magic or something. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think uh, in the original game, it is literally used to be one, one and a half, two. <laughs> uh, but now in the new one, it's you know, it's like it's powerful, it's uh, normal or whatever. Okay, yeah. I'm playing chaos, and I want to cheat. <laughs> yes. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you can sort of make your own scenarios because there's so many starting options. You can just yeah. create your own starting point. There's a little app that. Uh, you can use to generate a like a random wizard huh. like oh uh, hit this button try playing the game with a wizard who has two books of nature three books of sorcery warlord this and that yeah exactly so it's it's like there are no scenarios but there's also sort of only scenarios or you, you can come up with your own scenarios in a way yeah. it's emergent gameplay mm. <laughs> and also, I think because it's been modded a lot, there's a lot of tools you, you, you can go and edit your save game to allow uh, things that aren't uh, allowed by the game. For example, if you, for whatever reason, really want to be a life and death uh, uh-huh. <laughs> caster, you can do that. That's nice. And in Caster of Magic, you can just be a life and death caster. Huh. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I don't think I really have to ask you guys if it holds up. I mean, <laughs> I've been playing this game for 20 years and it sucks. Yeah. Um, HP looks up from playing the game on his phone and goes, eh, it's all right. You know? <laughs> yeah, 2,000 hours. Yeah. But uh, I think the thing that uh, really makes it for me uh, is just that it's, it's such a good... Um, uh, game for creating stories like you can play the game for 20 years and you, you still come across new things and new events and like uh, it's not about just winning the game like you know s- sitting in your citadel researching like crazy that, you know that's not the, the aim for me it's it's the things that you encounter and like you you know you get to recruit a, a basilisk or something like that and you roam around with this crazy beast and just slaughter everything and uh, you know uh, meet meet your your enemy wizard and you do you trade with him and you trade uh, uh, an excellent spell that'll that that'll basically win you the game that that kind of stuff that's where it really shines. Oh, I definitely mm. find myself talking to the enemy wizards at various points, <laughs> where <laughs> it, it, you know, like I'll be absolutely crushing someone and they're just spamming me with requests for a peace treaty. I'm like, oh yeah, you want that now, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> you? You weren't interested in that when I had that time with the one skeleton guarding it, were you? Yeah. <laughs> this is you at work talking to your phone. Yes, <laughs> my coworkers looking at me with concern. <laughs> nice. Since it can be difficult to take enemy towers in Caster Magic Two, which is what I usually play nowadays, I'll I'll smash an enemy wizard down just to their one capital city and surround it with forces and just leave them there for a while. Oh yeah, I used to do that in Civilization. I think that's how you play Master of Orion too, Florian. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, just surround enemies. Don't even bother actually conquering. <laughs> yeah, it's classic, classic strategy. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, this game is just oh. really cool. And, and it's interesting how um, it... Yeah? I wanted to say my opinion as well. <laughs> oh, you, you are definitely allowed okay. to... Please, go <laughs> ahead, Florian. I'm just sorry. This, just this once. Just once. <laughs> Great. Um, so 
I, I don't have any nostalgia for the game because I, I really didn't know it back then. So I think I may be a bit less biased. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Though I, I'm, I'm clearly biased towards uh, Mass of Orion. So maybe, maybe I am after all. But mm. being a massive Mass of Orion fan, um, I find this game a bit inaccessible. Um, even though mm. I know all or some of the mechanics that are also present in Master of Magic, I found it really, really hard to get into. Mm. So mm. It, it takes really a long time until the game actually be, becomes fun. You have to invest first. Um, Oh, hey, look, Amazon's having a sale on torches and pitchforks. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I I think this is in in part fixed maybe by the Caster of Magic add-on. I mean, does it have any kind of tutorial? Because I think that's, that's, I totally uh, agree that if you just want to play, try it out as a game, you come in completely cold, you go into the dungeon, you lose all your units. (laughs) You know, the game can be quite harsh. True. Uh, Castro Magic does not have a tutorial, uh, although I do give it, I, I do say it's more accessible just because, like I said, your early game buildings, they're going to be like, we give you plus eight this, or you give you plus six this. It's not, we uh, increase the uh, amount of production you get from mountains by an irrational number divided by pi. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So it, it is more accessible, but yeah, there, there's, there is no intro, unfortunately. No. No, I think, Florian, this is one of those games that is. It's pretty hard to get into, but there's actually a lot to to discover. So once it does grab you... Yeah, I, yeah. I totally believe that. I totally believe that. I mean, I remember when we played Master of Orion, there were so many people approaching me about how does that work, how that, does that work. And people were... I think some of you were actually going to give up on the game, mm. but then then you found the, the magic, yeah. uh, oh. magic in the game. So yeah. I, I think it's it's very similar in Master of Magic. Yeah. You just need to invest the time to actually find it. Yeah. And it's also maybe just an old school way of like how these old games are, you know? I mean, I was having similar feelings with stuff like XCOM and there's tons of cool stuff in XCOM and there's lots of fun to have. But if you don't know what you're doing and you're just you just want to play for an hour, this really it's really hard to get into it and 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 enjoy it. So have any of you played Warlords 2? Yes. Uh, they have a similar system where your hero units can go into dungeons and possibly get like magic items or spells or whatnot. Uh, but in that game, you just go in and they just tell you whether your hero lived or died. <laughs> There's oh. no way to tell what the odds are. That's random. Yeah. So, so this was a step up for the time. Mm, yeah, mm. exactly. I think it was also just something of the time you know it it uh, there weren't as many games coming out maybe so maybe people had more time to really dive into the game they did have so it was a different yeah. time <laughs> i guess it was i guess it was so yeah i i think i think that's master of magic right i mean that sums it up pretty well uh unless anyone feels they've not said a thing <laughs> no, I think uh, I, I'm going to definitely explore Caster of Magic more because I, I didn't play that because I wanted to get that through authentic uh, sentimental feeling. But yeah, it sounds mm. like it's just literally an improvement on everything. And that's that's amazing. Yeah, I'll definitely do that as well. Uh, I think everyone should at least once just give themselves 11 death books, summon wraiths right away, take over the world and cackle maniacally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Florian. Uh, that's me. Yes. I think you just typed something about a, a giveaway. Well, yes, I typed it in the document, so you, we didn't didn't have to talk about it. <laughs> in the episode. Well, um, uh, do you do you want to do that or not? 
I think so. Um, okay, the thing is that uh, back when we had the DOS Games Jam episode, um, this guy, uh, Thomas uh, Foxhall, uh, he suggested uh, the Nomad game that we played some episodes ago. But he actually developed a DOS game for that jam. Uh, it's called Slip Speed. It's a top-down racing game. With music by your DGC host. Yeah, I made the music for that game. So that's, that's you know, that's kind of cool. So, uh, yeah, we have this DOS game out. Uh, he made the, 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 the game part. I made the music. And uh, he was approached by a publisher who said, wow, this is really cool and a DOS game in, in 2020. And, and they offered to make it into a boxed release. So, yeah, you can actually just buy a box of this game now, which is crazy. Uh, and they sent me two. So, yeah, I have two of these now. I don't need two. I need one. So I'm giving away the other one. So uh, we have this giveaway, I suppose, right? So if anyone is interested in a boxed copy of Slipspeed, yeah, what should they do? I feel they should leave a review. That's really what we need. It's like leave a review on your podcasting app platform if it if it allows you to type a little thing. Maybe just, I don't know, type it somewhere else. Type a tweet, type a, type a Facebook <laughs> thing. I don't know. I don't really care. Just promote the show. Tell us what you think. Send us an email with the link. Like, I typed this. I shared this. And then we can just give it to someone randomly. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll pick randomly, yes. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be a positive review, but why wouldn't you write a positive one, right? Well, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Those game club sucks, and I won this game, yeah. No pressure. <laughs> Describe the tingly feelings you get from the voices of the hosts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's cool. So just uh, send something, say something about us and, and drop us an email. Uh, it's club at dosgameclub.com is the address. And it's also on our website, dosgameclub.com. So yeah, just go over there. We'll make a little box maybe with the giveaway info. And then uh, that's it. So, so I don't know. Deadline? Um, I think next month. Next episode, yes. Yeah, so next episode, someone will receive a boxed copy of Slipspeed. That Isn't good. that cool? That's very cool. Very right. cool. In fact, it's super cool. <laughs> you know what? Because I haven't received mine yet. I had to buy mine. That's yeah. crazy. How, how can you <laughs> still not have well, it? Well, they, 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 they said they'd send me another one. Mm. So. Okay, that's cool. Right, so what's going on otherwise, Florian? Otherwise, we are currently playing... Um, we've, we've been talking about one of my favorite games um, all the time in in passing <laughs> in this episode. But right now we're playing another one of my favorite games and maybe everybody's favorite games, mm. and that is Day of the Tentacle, Ooh. Maniac Mansion 2. That's one of the greatest point-and-click um, adventure games ever made, if not the greatest. A mm -hmm. game that got me in trouble with my mother. What? How? Really? You know what? Save that. Send us a voicemail or join next episode. Yes. Send a voice message about your incident with your mom. And Absolutely. <laughs> cool. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the year of the adventure game over at Lost Game Club, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. One, one adventure game every other month. So that's going to be great. Which is why we also play one in April. Um, it's going to be Lost Eden. That, that one's a bit less mm. well-known and maybe also a bit w less well-received. But, but it, it's, it's, it's a charming title, I feel. So time to check that one out. I've never played that one, but I've looked at the box a lot. <laughs> I remember seeing it in the store and, and thinking, wow, what's this? And then never buying it. So that's, that's what I know. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's your time to, to catch up then. 
Exactly. And by the time this episode comes out, Day of the Tentacle will be over and we will be playing Rise of the Triad because it will be our um, anniversary month and anniversary months are for first-person shooters. Definitely. So, yeah, so far we've covered Doom, Duke Nukem 3D, uh, Blood, and now Rise of the Triad, which is uh, another Apache game, I think. Yes, it is. So, yeah, it's the it's the dual-wielding one. It's the, the John Woo shooter. Exactly. <laughs> okay, that's what's coming up in the next couple months. Um, if you want to join us and discuss with us, there, with us, there are many ways to do that. You can either join the forums on dosgameclub.com, where you can also suggest a game and find all the information um, regarding sending us voice messages. And for this month, uh, you will also find the info um, how to tell us where you left a review if you want to take part in the um, giveaway. Yes. So another way to talk to us is via IRC, which is the old school internet relay chat, where we are in channel DOS Game Club on the Afternet network. Um, there's always people there. So if you just want to talk about DOS games for a couple hours, that's where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And another way to talk to us, and maybe the last, the last easily accessible one, is uh, via Twitter, where we are at DOS Game Club. Yep. And that's where we also just share DOS-related stuff, news, uh, screenshots, people playing games, just sometimes polls. Not so many this year, like we do in many other years, because most of the months are already picked. Yeah, but yeah, that's where that's where it's happening. How come, um, how come you guys are not on YouTube yet? Well, <laughs> <laughs> we were working on that. Yeah, we actually were working on getting all the shows on YouTube. Uh, I think we just announced today that we're looking for footage of the games because uh well we were wondering what to have visually you know i mean we have all the audio of the podcast but what do you show yeah we've actually been discussing that for for years by now i think and we had ideas like like how we have to put up um animated like, like, characters animated portraits of, of <laughs> everyone who's talking and you know that, that's just maybe a little bit too much effort <laughs> just to put a video on youtube yeah so we actually just asked people we crowdsourced the problem and asked people to send us um, footage of the game. And I guess for new episodes, we will just find someone who plays it or record while we are playing. We will see how we do that. Yeah. Once we have everything together, together we will just upload yeah. probably 60 videos at once to YouTube. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what... what it, but eventually, we'll have all the shows up on YouTube as yeah, well. Exactly. So, yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, that's it, I guess. So thanks for listening. And thanks, guys, for, for being on the show. Yeah, thanks a lot. No worries. A lot thanks for having me. And yeah, see you see you around, right? See you uh see you for day identical <laughs> cycle. Okay. Mm. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye.